Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. So we are going to talk a little bit about an issue that we've covered a bunch of times on our blog and which often elicits a bit of a a reaction. You know, it gets some hate and some love in equal measure, which is low code, no code. Are these tools that help developers get things done faster? Are these tools that let citizen developers join from the marketing team or the sales team and contribute, maybe taking up less time from the you know seasoned engineers so they can focus on what they want to do? Or are these tools dumbing things down and maybe you know allowing folks who don't know what they're doing to sort of muck up the process? So we have a great guest on to discuss it, David, who is the founder and CEO of Retool. David, welcome to the program. Excited to be here. So we always start out, just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the world of software and programming? Yeah, what brought you to the position you're at today? Yeah, I started coding when I was maybe around 12 or 13, something like that. And it was so fun. The idea that you could get a computer to do whatever you wanted to do was sort of so addicting or so uh, empowering, if you will. What were the languages and frameworks, you know, when you were first getting started, what were you using? I started with Python, then I went to Lisp after reading Sigpe. Sigpe is a really fun book too, because it kind of taught you sort of the beauty, if you will, of programming. So, yes, Lisp is for the aesthetes. That would that's what Paul Ford would tell us. Yeah, it's fun. And so, did you work at some companies before founding your own, or were you always an entrepreneurial mindset? So, uh, I actually ended up studying comp sci and philosophy, which is really fun as well. I studied that in the UK, and. When studying uh, philosophy, you sort of you know think a bit about sort of first principles, uh, why things are the way they are, you know why are they not the way they are, stuff like that. And when in uni, we actually worked on a bunch of side projects. We we're just sort of building a side projects for fun, basically. And it was funny because I remember when sort of when I was learning CompSci, you know, when you're learning Lisp, for example, the real world ac- applicability of it is really pretty low. I, I think it's sort of tr- incredibly interesting. You could think about lists and you know new ways and stuff like that, but it was really not very applicable. And so mm. that's when I started learning Rails. And I was like, I would like to do something actually with sort of all this CompSci knowledge I have. <laughs> and maybe it builds a businesses. And so right. we worked on a bunch of sort of fun side projects. Uh, one of them, for example, was, hey, if you're going to a new city, for example, and you're interested in all the uh, destinations in a particular city, maybe you're visiting, let's say, London, for example. Maybe you might want to visit the London Eye. Maybe you want to visit the Tate Modern, for example. Or perhaps you want to visit a cafe. And so we'd actually you know, use sort of, it's almost like a traveling salesman problem, basically, where we would sort of figure out um, where, what you should go to at what point in time. You, know, you probably don't want to go mm-hmm. to a bar at 10 a.m. You probably don't want to go to Tate Modern at 10 p.m. And so that was a lot of fun. And as we were working on these side projects, one discovery we had was really you spent a lot of time just building internal tools. So even right. just uh, sort of, you know, that simple uh, project over there, we had to build internal tools to worry about sort of opening hours, uh, restaurants, uh, sort of the hot restaurants would change, for example. So we actually had to, you know, sort of build a credit interface on top of that. And it became sort of shocking to us how difficult it was to build a simple CRUD interface, uh, sort of internal tools, quote unquote. And because we had worked on so many side projects, we were <laughs> building these CRUD interfaces again and again, and they all looked the same, even though sort of the uh, data obviously was different. You know, in some cases, mapping data, for example. Other cases, it was just names, emails, balances, you know, stuff like that. But it was shocking how long uh, it took and how sort of tiring it was to build these internal tools. At that point, we were already, I think, using Node. And to get anything done, 
Uh, on the back end, you needed you know 30, 40 different packages. On the front end, similarly, you had to go learn <laughs> Redux. Uh, Redux was right. you know obviously great because you know, I loved Lisp, but but nevertheless, it, it wasn't clear why I needed all this knowledge about you know how to fold things left and right, for example, in order to get a simple button to make a post request. And so that's where the idea really for Retool was born. Like, hey, maybe there could be a much faster way of building all these CRUD apps. Your philosophy professors must have been very upset when you told them that you wanted to do something with all of the learning, like maybe start a business. <laughs> that doesn't seem to square with my experience of philosophy departments, but I guess they let it slide. So in founding Retool, what was sort of like, yeah, the first problem you attacked? Clearly, you had identified a pain point for yourself. What was the MVP like and how did you build that? Yeah, so... This, I think, is super interesting because the MVP we built was conceptually very simple. Again, it worked for so many use cases that even we were actually rather surprised by it. Basically, the MVP we built was a table, a button, and a text input. And so for those who don't know, Retool is kind of this, it's like React, but drag and drop, you could say. Uh, And we Mm. sort of support all, let's say, the API authentication, stuff like that for you. And so uh, when we first started out, we only had three components uh, sort of in our component system and our design system, basically. And it was a table, a button, and a text input. And uh, it was pretty simple. It you know, wasn't really that complex. But it was really actually quite shocking to us what you could do with just these three components. If you really squint, sort of most internal tools are basically some combination of table, text input, and button, basically. Uh, and so whether it was, for example, I think our first customer they were sort of this mobile app that was an easy way for Lyft and Uber drivers to drive for both at the same time. They had a lot of customer support tickets, and so they were managing all that via internal tools built inside of Retool. That basically was a bunch of tables, uh, and then you you know they had to refund customers via buttons. They had to search customers up, for example, via text input. They maybe uh, wanted to give people credits also via text input. So it was kind of shocking, really, to us how similar internal tools were. Uh, whether it's you know a sort of company building an iOS app all the way to a tutoring company, which right. I think was our second customer. And again, over there, they were sort of intaking students, and so students would sign up, and uh, they would tutor them. Uh, they would sort of remark on how well they did in the lesson, stuff like that. Again, just text inputs, uh, maybe text fields, for example, and buttons. So it was really surprising to us sort of how similar internal tools are across companies that are radically different. And that, I think, has really become the core thesis behind Retool is no matter what kind of company you work in, you're probably building internal tools. And the internal tools you're building probably look very, very similar to the internal tools that some other company and some other company uh, in totally different industries are building. The sort of business logic is totally different. You know, for example, we have customers like Airbnb or, you know, a popular streaming service. These are obviously sort of two pretty different companies. And yet, when we look at the internal tools, sort of, if you really squint, it, again, it's just a combination of sort of forums, buttons, tables, <laughs> maps to some extent. Right, right, but right. But the business logic is different, so which is why we are sort of I allow you to write code as well. And so you can specify your business logic. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess the question I wanted to ask was about, yeah, sort of like tech dad, bit rot, you know, and, and, and where yeah. you see maybe customers saving time internally, not just in the act of building the tools, which I think you identified. Everybody wants the folks who are handing out the picks and shovels, you know, when there's a gold rush going on, but maybe also in the idea of maintenance. Is that part of, you know, the value prop you bring? It is, totally. Because the only thing developers hate more than building internal tools is actually maintaining internal <laughs> tools. <And> so, 
it is uh, for a lot of our customers today, a lot of the value prop is, hey, I build it and I actually know it's going to continue working. In fact, it's actually right. going to get better, actually, uh, sort of every day because Retool, as Retool ships sort of new features uh, to our customers. I don't want to call us out, but as someone who joined Stack Overflow 10 years into its life, I was amazed at the number of things we'd built on our own from email to billing <laughs> to, you know, stuff like that. And, and you know, I just wondered why it wasn't off the shelf. In part, that was an engineering culture, a mindset of we're a place where we want to have top engineers. And so we're going to build it ourselves. But I think over time, we've increasingly shifted to the best practice of, you know, buy what we can and build what we need. Turn compliance from a burden to a business accelerator with 24-7 continuous monitoring. Automate evidence collection for your entire tech stack with over 75 deep integrations. Book a demo at drata.com slash partner slash stack overflow. D-R-A-T-A dot com slash partner slash stack overflow. Make sure to use that link and you'll let them know the podcast sent you. All right, so let's get to the no code, low code side of this. Where does this come up? You know, you said you feel people sometimes misunderstand your company. Do you think that, yeah, sometimes when you go to make a, you know, a sale to a new customer, there's resistance internally from the engineering department who's like, hey, we don't want things dumbed down. This will be better if we build it ourselves. Yeah, so something like maybe 95% of our customers are engineers, uh, and people building apps overall are all engineers inside of Retool today, too. Right. And so we've actually trained, sort of as Retool's grown over the past few years today, around 350 or so people, we've actually trained all, all of our salespeople, actually, to never say the words, low code or no code, actually. <laughs> and... It's funny because I think no code basically is a dead end. And the reason for that is you're able to get to 50% of what you want really very quickly via no code. So it's it's great uh, for that. But then the last 50% is basically impossible, actually. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can imagine if, let's say, you're a uh, company using something like Airtable. Airtable is really fast to get started with. You can prototype, you can do things really quickly. But then when you actually want to build, let's say, complex forms or complex front ends on top of Airtable, you're in trouble. The only way you can really do it is you can try to integrate with the API. But the API has like, you know, a sort of five requests per second rate limit. That's honestly quite a bit worse than a Postgres database, for example. And so right. you're like, okay, well, uh, I guess I'm kind of stuck. There's sort of not much I can do. <laughs> and your only way is say, okay, well, actually, I'm going to migrate all my data to a Postgres database now or MongoDB, whatever else, and build everything again from scratch. And so for that reason, we think sort of most software is pretty complex, to be honest. And the only way to uh, build this complex software is actually by writing code. We think code is the best way of getting a computer to do something, which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, maybe a pretty controversial, if you will, belief, at least for non-developers, at least. So, you know, you and I talked a bit about internal components uh, and how those might be similar companies. That was kind of the spark that set you off on, on building this company. But now you have a, like a much larger suite of that from workflows to databases, templates to self-hosted. Can you talk a little bit about how the business has evolved over time and what you do in some of those other areas? Yeah, totally. So uh, what we've discovered is developers, as they sort of adopted more and more Retool, they actually want to do more things inside of Retool. So I would say mm-hmm. sort of the core thesis behind Retool is uh, a lot of things that developers work on should actually be commodities. For example, you shouldn't have to sort of uh, Google around for the best React table component. We should just give you the best React table component. When, for example, uh, you're making a post request from a button, 
you shouldn't have to worry about setting like is fetching to be true inside of Redux. And then when is fetching is true, show a loading indicator on the button. And then uh, when it comes back with an error, uh, you know, show the error message. Or you shouldn't you shouldn't have to worry about you know trying to bounce the button so it can't be clicked twice so the form submits right, twice. Right. These are all sort of basic things, basically. And so we want to give you all these things out of the box so you can actually focus on business logic that's specific to you. So if you're you know, a specific customer, whether you're, for example, an Airbnb or an Amazon, for example, the, what is specific to them is actually not the button. It's not like set, setting is fetching to be true. Instead, it's the core right. business logic of you know, how the insurance program at Airbnb works, for example. So right. that to us is what we really focus on. Is we allow you, developers to focus on the code and then not focus so much on the commoditizable stuff. And that's true of front ends, but also true, for example, of backends, which is why I started workflows. Right, right. So with workflows, for example, it's a similar insight to sort of the front end, which is uh, getting a cron job to run on a sort of regular basis and making sure it never goes down is actually a surprisingly hard problem. Uh, because uh, let's say you have an EC2 instance, for example. How do you monitor that EC2 instance? What if the cron job starts silently failing? How do you get notified? Et cetera, et cetera. These are the kinds of sort of problems we realize developers also had on the back end, which is why we launched a workflows product, which is sort of cron of the cloud, basically, where there are errors. Uh, we immediately notify you. You can go and browse results from past runs. So you can go debug things nicely, et cetera. Right. So that's how we expanded up into workflows and how we expanded to mobile and uh, DB and sort of re- uh, storage as well. So now Retool is a pretty uh, f- uh, fully featured platform. So how many employees do you have at the company now, you know, roughly? Today, we're around 350 or so. And what has been your take and, you know, maybe some of your employees on sort of the latest turn of the wheel you talked about, you know, how far you think no code can go and, you know, that code is the best way to communicate. What about all this, you know, brouhaha I see on Twitter of people just telling an AI, hey, you know, go build me this button and um, while you're at it, you know, try out this back end and it spits back some code, you can test it and you go from there. So do you think that that's something that people will actually be incorporating into their companies in the near future? And do you think there's ways that maybe Retool can take advantage of some of those advancements? I think totally. And we're investigating that right now. We have a bit of a research project going on right now, actually, inside of Retool. My take on this AI stuff is I think it's very good for getting you uh, started uh, in the sense yeah. that you still do need to know what code is. It would be, you know, I think difficult for sort of someone who doesn't know anything about code to specify to an AI, oh, I want a program that does this and does this. And for you to sort of explain, you know, the nuances, I think, again, code is actually, again, the best language. And if you look at AI, you know, it's still generating code, right? So you can sort of read the code and iterate on it. And so we think AI is sort of a really big accelerant, if you will, uh, and sort of Mm -hmm. getting a V1, for example. But then, as we know, as developers, getting to 80% is kind of not the hard part. Like, you you can build 80% (laughs) of any big website of, uh, you know, an Amazon or a Netflix or, you know, whatever else, or Airbnb, you and I could do it in a weekend if we really wanted to. You know, we could build 80% of any of those websites. In the end, the really hard stuff is like the last 20% of, you know, the real customizations, basically. And that is, I think, where you still will need to know code uh, because you're trying to get a computer to do a highly specific thing that that cannot have any ambiguity. Let me ask you, from your perspective where you sit, what are you most excited about in the year to come? Um, are there things on the roadmap you want to tease or, uh, yeah, just developments within the space that you think are exciting that you might be able to capitalize on? Yeah. So one thing we're pretty excited about is launching some sort of app store on top of Retool, uh, which is mm. today, if you think about software, sorry, this might be kind of philosophical for a bit, but if you think about software, <laughs> it's either basically build or buy. So uh, you either sort of build something entirely from scratch, sounds like you guys have done at Stack Overflow, or you buy something off the shelf. 
And when you buy something off the shelf, uh, generally cheaper, but it's probably not custom specifically to what you want. And if you right. build something uh, internally, it takes a long time, but it's, it is exactly what you want. Right. So what we're really excited about at Retool is, hey, what if Retool can give you, for example, a template or a good starting point? Uh, and so you know, one example here is Stripe uses Retool actually for equity management. I mm-hmm. bet there are a lot of other pre-IPO companies that are very interested in how Stripe manages their equity. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be really cool if we had an app store, for example, where you could go and see the Stripe app. They could say, hey, actually, that's 80% of what I want. Let me go and fork it, actually, and actually sort of right. take uh, you know, things that I like from there, but then you know, change it 10% and add 10% of things onto it. So it's yeah. almost like a sort of GitHub for software or for enterprise software, I should say. GitHub is yeah. great right now for sort of libraries, I would say, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, sort of building blocks of software. But it's actually not very good for sort of like fully built applications. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think, is something that's really exciting is that uh, Retool today now has sort of many customers that have a lot of internal operations. And actually, these internal ops across all of our customer base is actually kind of similar, actually. And yeah. so for us to open up some sort of app store, I think, would be really exciting. It'd be somewhere between build and buy, sort of as fast as buying something off the shelf, but also as customizable and as flexible, actually. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We did an episode with the folks from Backstage, which was the developer portal that they built at Spotify. And they found when they would go out to these you know, tech conferences and they were showing off something they built, what people wanted to see was not the feature that they had built, but the thing behind it that they were using to show it off. And so right now it's, you know, uh, open source to the degree that lots of folks can come in and try it out as their developer portal um, or build integrations with it. So I guess in a similar way, you're thinking about it for Stripe, the advantage would be showcasing their technology, making a little bit of an open source and that burnishes their brand, maybe attracts new technologists to come to them, or maybe even people improve on it a little bit and they notice that and can do it in-house. Totally. Yeah. Well, I think that is a good place to wrap. It sounds like an exciting thing. Do you have a sense of when the App Store would arrive or this is just kind of something that's coming in the year 2023? In the year 2023. Well, we're super excited about it. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. That was a fascinating episode. As we do at the end of every show, I'm going to shout out the winner of a badge. Somebody who came on Stack Overflow with a little curiosity or a little bit of knowledge and helped a bunch of others awarded two hours ago to Ajib a favorite question badge. They've asked a question that's been saved by 25 users, so it must be worthwhile to a few people. How to convert a list to a dictionary with indices as values. Oh yeah, asked six years ago, 140,000 people have viewed. So helps quite a few folks. Appreciate it and congrats on your badge. I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find us podcast at Stack Overflow email us with questions or suggestions. You can always find me on Twitter. I'm just at Ben Popper. And if you want to leave a rating and a review because you like the show, go ahead. It helps. David, tell the folks who you are. You know, Say your full name, your title again, and then uh, where you want to be found on social media if you want to be found. And then, yeah, give a shout out to where you think listeners you know, who are developers or engineers, where should they go to check out Retool or to try a demo or to learn? Just whatever you know, call to action you think is best. Hey, I'm David uh, Shu from Retool. Uh, you can find me on GitHub or Twitter at DVDHSU or at Retool.com. Thanks. 